All right. Well, good evening. Good evening. Good to see you all here. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, uh, uh, we did send the clipboard back around just in case that there's anyone that hasn't been here yet uh, for the Parenting for Life series. Uh, you can write down your information, your contact info, uh, just an email address is fine, and we'll be able to send you out uh, the weekly notes and other details, the uh, follow-ups, the uh, pondering uh, the principles, uh, homework, and uh, uh, should I do a quiz this week to see how you guys are keeping up with those things? Or no? It's like I don't have to do a quiz. You guys are being quizzed every week, right, in your, in your house, in your own home? And uh, I'm sure your spouse, your spouse quizzing you very regularly, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, have your kids asked any questions like, hey, mom and dad, what have you learned from that class that you're taking on parenting? No, they're not too interested in that. Yeah. Teaching you how to be uh, better disciplined and, and uh, disciplining them well. And uh, well, uh if you didn't receive uh, the handout for tonight, um, Lesson 5, uh, there are some more copies uh, just around. Mr. Uh, Don back there has uh, additional copies. If you need one, just raise your hand. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and get started. But before we go diving into the Word, let's ask the Lord for help. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the privilege uh, to come before you and uh, come with one another um, as we uh, commit to faithfulness within this uh, responsibility that you have given us, this privilege of parenting, it is a, a blessed duty, yet um, one with uh, that is weighty. And so we pray for help. We pray for discernment and uh, for us to trust and to lean upon your understanding rather than our own when it comes to uh, the special task. Give us clarity. Help us not to get in the way uh, with our own motives and our own thoughts and musings, but, Lord, to just turn to the Scriptures uh, as you have given us all things that we need pertaining to uh, to life and godliness. Um, help us even as we raise those children that you've entrusted to us, prepare our hearts if if we don't have children yet or if we're, uh, you know, in, in hopes to, um, to have children one day, uh, prepare uh, those hearts, uh, kindle in them a desire to train up uh, to shepherd and to nurture uh, what you would plant in those young young children. We love you and thank you for this privilege. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, well, uh, here we are, Lesson 5. Lesson 5, we've uh, looked first at the parents' priorities, uh, then the parents' goal, the parents' challenges, and uh, last week we started with the parents' roles, and uh, this was going to be a two-part lesson uh, looking at the parent as disciplinarian and uh, we looked at unbiblical discipline as well as biblical discipline we didn't actually get to finish all the biblical discipline so <laughs> it's probably important for us to make sure we cover that um, it's easy for us to understand what unbiblical discipline is uh, so what we want to do is focus on what that biblical discipline looks like so I'm going to go back a little bit into um, our notes from last week and pick up uh, just to cover a few items before we move forward in this lesson five. I didn't supply those notes for you tonight, but you already have those and completed. And then uh, also just a note on the lesson five notes. I think there's only like one fill-in 
uh, for tonight, so you're not going to have to be waited or wait, uh, waiting uh, with bated breath of, you know, what is that fill-in going to be? Matt, tell me. And so um, just uh, take good notes uh, regarding the rest of the things that we're going to cover. But last, uh, last week we left off really looking at what uh, biblical discipline is. And we mentioned how biblical discipline is loving. It is loving. And uh, really it goes to Scripture pointing to us that, that God is a, a good father, and he is a father that loves. And, he, and in his love, it also requires uh, discipline and correction. Uh, our Lord corrects those he loves for their benefit, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 15. I'm constantly bringing that even back to my mind as I'm correcting my own children, that, that I would not be loving to you if I did not correct you in this way. I'm, I'm not loving you as God loves us if I don't correct you in this way. So truly, loving our children is following through these steps, these principles that we've been talking about this entire time. And if we choose to neglect, shirk those responsibilities, we are, we are truly not loving our children. So biblical discipline is loving. Likewise, parents lovingly discipline because it is God's command and it's essential for teaching submission and self-control. And if parents are wise and conscientious, limits they set forth with their children will produce great benefits. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 tells us that. So what are some beneficial limits that we can set within, uh, within our parenting, within uh, correcting and disciplining our children? Well, some of those limits would be provide a good setting for learning. We've talked about this even uh, in another, um, another week in our lessons, but providing a good setting for learning. Uh, limits are the boundaries. They're the boundaries of daily life that allow you to systematically work on good habits of character and conduct. Uh, they might include a schedule. We talked about this, how it's important for us to even have schedules and rules, um, uh, things that you may have in your own household of this is how we act and this is why we act this way. Um, maybe it's a, a daily thing of in the morning you wake up, this is what's expected of you, and that's going to differ depending, depending upon uh, the age of a child. It's going to differ depending upon the maturity of a child, and, but it teaches the child to meet certain responsibilities whether that's in grooming, in housework, in homework, in sports, or, or music practice, daily quiet times. Uh, some families may, may have limits and house rules uh, that may be based on preferences. Uh, maybe speak softly inside the house. We don't speak that way inside. That's your outside voice. You know, looking at some of those principles. Um, I know that that is something that we are constantly uh, you know, reminding our children of is... Um, uh, this is not how we speak inside our house. Now, those are preferential things. It's not a, necessarily a biblical thing to say that some of these daily times and routines are what the Lord prescribes for you. But just as parents, these, these are some of the things that we set forth. Um, how about you all? Are there any kinds of limits or beneficial um, uh, regulations or, or um, plans that you have set forth in your homes that, are, that you find that are helpful and that you've been encouraged by. Maybe an older saint has shared that with you, that that worked in their home, and you took that advice and you began to implement it in, in the home, of, in your own home. We um, had to tell us that the 
make sure your children know the difference between your rules and God's rules, like yeah. the commandments. And house rules can change through anybody's house, but God's rules stay the same. And it's really helped. Yeah. Like make the distinction. So at Anna's house, God's rules are the same, and this is God's rules. And then our our house, ours are different. Good. Yeah, so distinguishing between what are what are God's ordained commandments, his, his, his set requirements, and then also uh, differentiating or di- distinct, um, making a distinction between what is our preference. Yeah, so our preferences. Yeah, it's important for us to do that, for sure. Yeah. And there's going to be rules that maybe at, uh, say your children attend a school, you know, there's going to be rules that they have at school that you want to reinforce in your own home, or maybe you don't want to reinforce those things in your own home, but you remind them that at school this is the authority. These people are in charge, and you respect and you honor them because they are there under God's authority. And so you reinforce that in their own minds. Anything else? Any other rules or things that you set in your home? Rick? This is rule we taught our kids that obedience is doing what you're instructed to do with three points. Immediately, cheerfully, and thoroughly. Mm. If, you didn't, if you did what you were told, with a lousy attitude, that's not cheerful. Mm-hmm. If you didn't do it when you were told, that's not obedience. If you didn't do it thoroughly, then you hadn't really done it. So that's not obedience. Yeah. Good. It's helpful. And again, these are a lot of these time, a lot of these can just be preferences. They're not necessarily a biblical mandate that you set forth, and you have to quote a Bible uh, verse every time they they do these things. But the Bible doesn't say how often a child should wash his hands, brush his teeth, or comb his hair. But God has given each parent the privilege and responsibility of deciding these things in their own home. And children are to obey their parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord, Colossians 3.20 says. So just... Just like if your children go and go to another friend's house and um, maybe they are very uh, conscientious of, of the house rules in your home and they say, oh, no, we can't do that. That's not allowed. And they may be at another chi- child's home and realize, oh, well, there is freedom in that. So, one, that's a blessing that the child's being convicted of. I probably shouldn't do this, but... I don't know how often that actually happens, <laughs> but typically it's, it's oh, we get to do this <laughs> uh, in this house. Uh, I remember being a kid and that being kind of the thing. Um, but, but also, uh, maybe there were things that you don't do in another person's home that your parents are completely fine with in their home. So there's always these limitations, these boundaries that are set forth, but we have to rem- remind ourselves to make those distinctions of this is biblical, a biblical principle, or this is just a preference that we have. And we've talked about that uh, early on in, in our uh, lessons. But initially with toddlers, uh, you will have limits to develop good habits uh, and submission to authority. At first, they, they do things just because you say so. And as he or she matures, you can use those limits to cultivate an understanding of God's word and the child's need to obey it. For example, you may say, son, you need to set up a daily time in which you do your homework because it shows respect to the teacher by being obedient and well-prepared for your class. Most important, you'll be doing all your work heartily as unto the Lord. 
And the older and more responsible a child becomes, and the more he can be involved in, um, in decision-making, in the decision-making processes of his own life. And this is what the book of Proverbs refers to as wise living. Wise living, Proverbs 1, verses 2 through 7. So what we need to keep in mind is that you are really setting up the blocks as we're parenting our child from a very small age, from, from infancy, you're beginning to build those patterns and to set those limits. Obviously, with a toddler, I'm not going to say you need to set up a quiet time every day where you sit and you read your book and, and all these kinds of things, but you begin to set those principles with them, whether that's you sitting alongside with your toddler and having a quiet time with them, helping them understand that it's important for mom and dad to do this. You're setting that principle, that basis of this is something that's important for us, what we are requiring to do. But you're modeling that all through their, uh, their life. And you build that principle. You build that, that, um, that limitation, that boundary of even this is how we do things in our home. So biblical discipline is, is loving by uh, setting beneficial limits. But it's also loving in that um, we're establishing order. Establishing order. Order is related to self-discipline to prudence, to wise living and hard work. Uh, parents decide the necessary structure they believe will cultivate the, these characteristics in the home. And on the other hand, laziness, carelessness, foolishness, and a lack of self-control can produce chaos in the home. Cultivating orderliness, not chaos, is a sign of wise leadership. First Timothy 3.4 and Proverbs 31, 10-31 says those things. So, how are we setting things up in our home? What is the pattern that we are modeling? We often say, uh, more is caught than taught. So, if, what are you modeling even in your own home? Are you, are you cultivating um, orderliness or chaos? Uh, with instruction and practice, children can learn, for example, that after breakfast they need to complete their grooming, finish homework, get ready for school, or whatever you decide to do in your own home. And if you constantly have to tell your child or your children what to do next all day long, life is fairly chaotic, especially the more children that you have. So if you're just constantly after them saying, okay, let's go to the next thing, you need to make sure you're staying on track, completing that thing. We've, we've dealt with that in our home. Jackie set up a, a good system of, of kind of a checklist of to-dos and and, uh, and <laughs> it seems like more often than not, they want to stand in front of the checklist and remind themselves of what they're supposed to do. But more time is dedicated sometimes to that, looking at the checklist and making sure they check it just right. Uh, so I don't know what we're actually establishing there with them. But, um, but at the same time, helping them see that there is order, there's process, there is uh, something that they can set in their minds of these are things we want to achieve, get done today, because it helps create that order. It helps create um, uh, a home that is not in chaos all the time. Because even as we said last week and the week before, uh, a home that is, is orderly in this way, it's going to be secure. It's going to be a home that uh, hopefully it seems like it's structural. It's, it's structurally sound. And that's good for a child. That's good for a child to have that secure nature. So the standard of orderliness you choose may include such house rules as if if you get out, if you get it out, you put it away. If you make a mess, you clean it up. 
If you open it, you close it. If you turn it on, you turn it off. Jackie has to keep those lists for me a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, I admitted that. She didn't have to tell you. But um, beneficial limits. Also, uh, they protect, they protect uh, the child from things he cannot handle. Um, that, that seems to be like an understood thing. We, we desire to protect our children, and sometimes we can go to the extreme. We talked about this, how we never allow certain freedoms to our children to the point to where we're just, we can be smothering. We're, we're restricting them so much to where we're not allowing the grace of God to be at work in their own lives, to where they fail and they can learn those lessons. But beneficial limits, they do protect um, and a child from things they cannot handle. We are to be in the world, not of the world. And we're to remember that children are naive. They're gullible. You know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. We were reminded of that even the other day. So bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us they, they cannot process the evil in the world with the maturity of an adult. And so for them to be exposed to a lot of things early on, it's not, it's not helpful for them. And in addition, there, there are areas which in, um, which in and of themselves may not be evil, but there, there are areas which the child may need to be protected from for a time because of their immaturity. You know, even just setting standards on um, what they read, even setting standards on what they watch when it comes to the TV or movies or computer activities. Uh, exposure to excessive misbehavior from others. And uh, I remember growing up, and my my dad would always, he, he would come in and be like, I, I think you guys need to turn this off. You know, I, don't, I think this is helpful for you. Because you know, it seemed like, especially in, in my era growing up, it was like the dad was the bumbling, mumbling fool that never could do anything right. And mom always had to come in and correct and make things right. And there may be some truth to that at times. But, however, that's setting the standard in the mind of a child. That dad's just this goofy guy that can't do anything right. And mom always has to come in and correct everything. And really, so there's the authority. That's where the authority lies is with mom always. Or mom undermines the dad. And so they see this process over and over. I never really understood it when I was a kid until later on. Dad kind of walked me through that, helped me think through that. That was helpful. And... Even just recently, doing that with our own children, you know, saying, "I don't think this show is helpful for you. It's it's not it's not edifying your mind. It's not even very good entertainment. So let's let's just cut it." But you're protecting your child from what they know don't understand is actually harmful to them. Uh, maybe they're being exposed to information concerning sensitive topics, um, sensitive topics that are too mature for them to be exposed to. Things that we as adults may be exposed to that we may discuss and understand in a proper fashion, but things that as a child, that is not something that they need to be exposed to. Uh, activities related to physical safety, you know, even just understanding what, are, um, what, is, what is dangerous, what is, uh, what is in this world could be harmful, and, and um, not overexposing them to the harmful things of this world, the uh, the blood and the gore and the graphic nature of the news that we often see in day-to-day. We also have to protect them from free or idle time. We have to protect them from free and idle time. It's good for us to be able to let our children go into another room 
and play and interact either with them uh, alone in themselves or with their, their brother or their sister. But also understand that just idleness, that type of free time, can also create um, a, a corrupt uh, spirit in the sense that ultimately they're going to be given over to their own nature and they're going to um, allow their minds to go in ways that it should not go. And the younger the child, the more nurturing and training they need to in, in how to use their time. So it's good for us to set these limits, to set these boundaries early on. We're establishing that early on. <clears throat> well, in addition to providing a good setting for learning and establishing order and providing protection, beneficial limits, uh, we are to prepare our child for the limits of life's situation. Prepare the child for the limits of life's situations. Uh, he may be limited by his giftedness. He may be limited by his income earning or capability. He may be limited by his, his knowledge or his physical abilities or his health or opportunity. Now, obviously, we live in a society where everyone is wanting to blame something, blame shift, and say, oh, well, that person just, they failed, they didn't succeed, they didn't achieve the highest standard because of, you know, they came from a home that was very poor and so they just couldn't excel in this area. Or they came from a home where mom and dad were a wreck and so everything was just bad, so they're going to blame everything upon mom and dad. And I understand it's, it's dangerous for us to go down that path, but it's also important for us to understand that uh, that we can prepare our children in understanding that maybe they aren't gifted in a certain way, but help them understand that God has gifted them in other areas. There may be um, a child that maybe they are not athletically inclined, but they are full of joy, full of, of, of grace and, and um, compassion, so helping them understand those limitations and how God has given them those gifts and instruct them in ways that they can utilize those gifts. Uh, prepare a child by uh, helping them understand maybe they're limited by uh, the income or the opportunity within their home. You know, we, we haven't been blessed with with certain amount of income. We haven't been blessed with certain amount of opportunities in this area in which we live, maybe, potentially, depending upon the family. But the Lord will provide opportunities for you to excel in, his, in your understanding of him. Uh, all these things we can consider, and we help a child um, not, not come to the point to where they just feel as if they can do nothing, or even to the point of saying, they're, I am really gifted, <laughs> protecting their hearts, protecting their pride, and saying, like, I'm excelling in these areas. So prepare your child by setting limits you know, maybe they're excelling in this area and it's puffing up their mind and it's puffing up their pride in other areas. So you begin to have to help them understand the Lord has gifted you in this. That doesn't mean that you become proud and boast over these things. So they will learn either to be prepared or unprepared for life by the limits you set. Here you reveal the need for teaching. You set a limit for a child of, ra of rising from bed and, and to get ready for school at 7 a.m. The alarm rings. Your child turns it off and gets back into bed. Now you have the opportunity to teach your child about the, the ant and the sluggard 
the diligence, work, responsibility, procrastination. It also exposes the inability to keep the standard and his need for a savior. These, these limitations, uh, some of these limitations are simply house rules. For example, rising at a certain time in the morning. But some of uh, our house standards will be directly from God's word. They're going back to what Robin said, you know, differentiating or dis- distinguishing the, uh, between preference and what God actually sets as a standard. And just as the law is the tutor to lead us to Christ, so God uses standards to, to pay for parents to set in the home to reveal the children's sin and draw him to Christ. We are constantly looking for opportunities to be able to draw them back and say, you are in need of a Savior. And sometimes these limitations, these boundaries, are set forth there so that we can expose even the sin, not we expose, but the Lord exposes in their own hearts their sinful nature. And we take those opportunities, thanking the Lord for the privilege to be able to draw, um, show them where the answer is, and that is in Christ. Maybe, for example, name-calling. You don't have the rule. Um, um, maybe don't leave the rule at just no name-calling, but the child might conquer that one habit and then think they have righteous speech now, like a Pharisee. So let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. Ephesians 4:29. And this is God's standard, which, he, which is illustrated in the perfect life of Christ. So once again, pointing them back to their need for a new life, a new nature. It's by this perfect standard that God judges the world. And when the child doesn't meet God's standard, you have the opportunity to lovingly correct him, interact with him and, um, about the condition of his heart, and tell him of the readiness of Christ to forgive him. Well, um, we're going to jump over into uh, Lesson 5. But do you guys have any questions regarding you know, some of this that we finished up for, from last week's lesson? All right. Let's jump in. Uh, as we look at, 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 the, uh, at this addition to the parent as disciplinaria, uh, disciplinarian will view another aspect of biblical discipline. It also follows God's example in that it is wise. It is wise. And wise rules are reasonable. Wise rules are reasonable. Have you ever had your child say, Mom, your dad, you're being too hard on us? <laughs> That's unreasonable. Maybe they didn't use that word, but maybe they just said, I can't handle it. I can't, I can't do these things. You're setting the bar too high. Maybe in, in their own minds, that's what they're thinking. But are, are, are you being reasonable in, in those limitations, in those boundaries? They're not burdensome. Um, God only gave ten commandments summed up in two great laws of love. But the Pharisees made the ten into more than 600. So families... Um, we need to consider, have we made our house a, a, a house that has 600 laws that the child has to follow in order to appease us, in order to appease God? Because oftentimes that can be the case. Uh, it's easy 
to be negative, a walking minus sign, but frequently saying no without good reason, because I said so. No, because I said so. But consider the child's ability and understanding. They are, they are not the same as ours. Uh, he can't always do what we can. Understand that just because we have set the bar here even for ourselves as we have grown and matured in Christ, understand that maybe that is, is too high of a standard even for the child. But let's remind ourselves to, to even uh, what was said last week. Sometimes, uh, what do you guys remember what was said last week? There's a lot of things that were said last week. <laughs> yeah. But do you remember how sometimes we excuse our child's behavior or we excuse like a certain response? And we say, oh, well, they can't handle that situation because maybe they're too tired. Maybe they didn't have a nap today. Maybe they didn't eat. Uh, they're hangry. Um, maybe all these other excuses that we like to put in there. And sometimes those things can be legitimate, can be real, but oftentimes we use those as excuses for misbehavior. So we have to understand that, one, we have to be discerning and careful of where is the standard that we've set. Maybe it's something that I completely understand, and I'm not going to do that because the Lord is clear in his word, but maybe I have to help my child understand progressively as they, as they grow what to understand. So we allow a fair amount of time to do what you have asked. It depends on age and maturity. So what uh, Mr. Rick was, was that Mr. Boyer was saying earlier, um, we ask you to do something, you need to do it, what did he say? Immediately, cheerfully, and thoroughly. Those are all great things. But when it comes to certain tasks, when it comes to a certain age, Obviously, we need to make sure that I'm not asking my three-year-old the same thing I'm asking my nine- or 12-year-old to do and expect the same response, expect the same um, uh, outcome. I have to be careful in, in the, uh, the, the bar that I'm setting. You know, I just had, we just had our, our nine-year-old do this thing, and it went fine. All I had to do was say a one-word, or a, not a one-word sentence, I had to say one sentence. Well, I can't expect my three-year-old to fully understand and comprehend that same task or that same recommendation or, or that same instruction sometimes. It depends. But only, we only give as much instruction as the child can digest. In other words, please make your bed, put your shoes on, comb your hair, come to breakfast. This might be fully obtainable or be able to be done by an eight-year-old, but possibly too much for a three-year-old. And friends, you might be saying, duh, Matt, I understand that. But get it, uh, just understand, this is not all common sense for everybody. And I'm saying that even for myself. So <laughs> these are things that we have to learn, that we have to acknowledge and understand that sometimes our expectation for a three-year-old might be really more feasible for an eight-year-old. So we be patient as, as we challenge our children uh, toward diligence and responsibility. Focus more on the hard work and the attitude, going back to what Mr. Boyer was saying. Colossians 3.23, Ecclesiastes 9.10, what is the attitude? What, how heartily are they doing that action? Focus on those things rather than the task needing to be accomplished. This will help you be reasonable in your expectations. That's really 
something that our world struggles with is, is being reasonable. Being reasonable, the expectations setting forth. One, we either go to the far extreme of being completely unreasonable and that you're setting the bar too high, or we go to the other extreme of, ah, there's no need to set a, a bar. <laughs> Everybody will just do what they do and, and things will work out. We don't want to do that either. That's why it takes discipline. It takes diligence. It's hard work. Wise rules, they're reasonable, and they are also definable. Wise rules are reasonable, and they are also definable. Clear instructions are given. In Genesis 22, God gave very clear directions to Abraham about where he was to go, what he needed to bring, and what he was to do. Both the parent and the child must clearly understand the requirements as well as the consequences. And may I add to remind ourselves even of last week, both parents, that's what we said, both parents and the child must clearly understand the requirements. Why did I say both parents? What did we say last week? <coughs> if dad gives instructions to do one thing, and then the kid goes to mom, hey mom, can I do this thing or get away with this? And mom doesn't understand what the requirements are, doesn't understand what the consequences are. What happens there? Yeah, manipulation begins. It takes away the security. Takes away the security. We talked about that last weekend, again this week. Yeah, so parents must be on the same page, must be on the same level when it comes to playing in this in this field. So, good. And, uh, any, um, yeah. Any thoughts on, like, tagging specific offenses with specific um, punishments? And, like, I've seen charts that people have, you know, where they've got this thing kind of listed out for the kids to see. Maybe we're going to get into that. We are going to get into that. Just down yeah, I, I would say uh, there's, um, I think one of the, Appendix, uh, one of the appendices are actually, um, did I say that correctly? Jackie was correcting me the other day on appendix, appendice. Anyways, one of those things that are in the back of the notes, um, <laughs> they are, uh, it, it does t talk a little bit about that. But I personally, you know, we, we've just kind of gone through, we don't necessarily have a set chart of something in the house. Um, there are a lot of Bible verses that are listed on in our house and in one of the playrooms that go through and talk about specific things, whether that's speech or conduct or um, behavior towards one another, is how we treat one another. Um, but yeah, there are there are good things that you can put out there. Does anybody have recommendations or things that you do that you found to be hateful, uh, helpful, not hateful? That's easy to do. Yeah. Depends on each child's age. I mean, like my little little ones, often charts and visuals. Mm -hmm. um, but for my little ones, <laughs> theoretically, we said things enough where they yeah. should know the expectation. Yeah. That we shouldn't have to remind them with a visual. We shouldn't have. They shouldn't have to be reminded. Over right. And over again. Yeah, going back, sorry, to clarify what you are asking about the consequences, like what it, if I do this, then this will happen, um, if-then clause. So if, if this happens, then this is going to be the consequence. 
um, it's important for us to help children understand that. And I think that's more of just habit, so reinforcing it over time. Now, the first time that a child chooses to disobey in a certain way, I can correct them and I can say, this is not uh, pleasing to the Lord and this is why it's not pleasing to the Lord and go back to scripture and point them to the truth, whether that's name calling and then tell them this, these are the consequences to such an offense. And you have to establish that within your own home. You know, uh, what you have as a consequence may be completely different from what I do in my home. But it also can be based upon the child. Because with one child, I can uh, discipline them with a rod several times, and it doesn't seem like it's getting clear you know, through, the, through to them. And another child, I look at them in a wrong way, and it's like crushed. You know? So you have to be able to discern and distinguish that based upon the child, but uh, not withholding that correction either way. So, um, we found that we found some of those like a basic practice Yeah. But we try to have breakfast together when we can. <coughs> we have these little charts that we found online, and they just go through specific behaviors. But they talk about scripture, like, you know, they tag them with scripture, like a simple verse. Mm. Talks about also how Christ fulfilled these things. Mm. Um, and how he's the preeminent example, and that there's mercy for us when we fail. And so one of the little things we've done is we've taken one of the positive virtues, the characteristics, and then it pairs it, the other chart pairs it with like a negative behavior and tags it with the Bible verses and just says, you know, our kids are real little, so we're like, hey, this is what this is. We're going to practice this today. Um, you know, when we fail, we're going to seek God's mercy. Uh, Dad is going to practice this today when I go to work. And then we kind of come back around the dinner table and regather. Yeah, that's good. And just see how did it go. And then I try to share an, an area in my life where it was difficult or. Um, I succeeded or failed, how I handled that. Yeah. So that's not, again, I, I share that kind of with peer trepidation because I don't think people get the wrong idea that we're doing that all the time. But that's something <laughs> we're, trying to, we're trying to get in the habit yeah. of doing that, kind of start the day, end the day. Yeah. Typically, a lot of these books, it's helpful, thanks for sharing. Uh, typically, a lot of these books that I've recommended are going to have at least one section where it's you know it has those kinds of principles laid out, even just like... A, you know, this is the sin chart, and this is where God has clearly stated this is sin. And then um, I haven't found too many that have consequences associated because, um, I, as I said, it can be different for each child. Um, but uh, I know um, Lou's book, uh, Priolo, uh, Teach Them Diligently, in the back of his book, he has an extensive list of those. Um, that's been really helpful. Um, if you weren't here during uh, a couple of years ago when we gave those out, uh, we gave copies of those, but if you don't have a copy of that, let me know. I'll be happy to get you a copy of, of his book, Teach Them Diligently. Um, and uh, it does have some really helpful guidelines for that. Um, I think even this one, uh, Faithful Parents, um, Martha P. Stuart Scott, uh, That's a that has some things in there as well that is helpful uh, in regards to that as well. Yeah. Any other things that you all have found faith uh, found helpful, not hateful, yeah, but helpful, yeah. And sometimes I think it's helpful to think in terms. We, we can sometimes come up a little short in our discipline because we'll we'll stop when we start to see evidences of a 
sort of remorse or sorrow for what they've done. Yeah. And that doesn't quite take it as far as biblically where we, we need to take it to, to where repentance actually takes place. Um, yeah. you know, if you, you can make a kid fearful of committing another infraction of your rule, but if they have not learned how to deal with with turning to Christ and repentance and, and recognizing their, their need for the Savior, I think mm. we have shepherded them. We haven't gone far enough with them. And I think that's yeah. Keeping that in mind, is like we don't just want conformity to our standards. We yeah. need to, like Clay was mentioning, the, the focus on Christ's provision for mercy and, mm. and the pointing them to the spiritual realities of their heart. And I think that's, that's a really good insight to try to keep in mind. That's, that's distinctive in Christian parenting versus just good parenting advice in the world today. So. Amen. Yeah, it's, it, it goes back to what we, you know, uh, Jeff has said that, Mark said this the other night, but uh, just that relational factor that, you know, I'm not just here to impose these, um, you know, you've, you've done this infraction or, and uh, therefore you're going to get this consequence and I'm there as the, the great judge and ruler and authority with a swift hand and I'm going to correct you and then we're done. I'm there to love and care for, be compassionate in that situation. Um, I'm going to, yes, I may have a swift hand, I may correct but at the same time, I'm going to follow it up with, with love and compassion. I'm going to show them that we are doing this out of love, that God has said, if, if I don't correct you, I do not love you. <laughs> um, but I do love you because Daddy does love you. I'm helping you do this. And, I mean, yeah, we always talk about, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you, or this is harder for me than it's harder than it's hard for you. And kids are saying, yeah, right. But um, yeah, a lot of times that is the case. It's, you know, we... Uh, we had an issue the other night with one of our kids, and it's just it broke my heart to see you know the uh, the response, and 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 then I I got kind of excited to think that oh she's showing great remorse for this, only to then for it's come around and realize actually the rem- the remorse was motivated by a desire to get something in turn like maybe dad will back off a little bit and won't won't completely follow through with the imposed consequence. And so I have to come swiftly back around and say, that's sinful. That's sinful motivation. That's sinful. That's, uh, that's, um, uh, is almost uh, manipulative in, in, in their mind. And so we have to be careful even just how far we go with that too. So, Don, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a good book that I've been going through. You don't want to go through this with your kids because it's just way too in-depth, but it's called Repentance. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, but one of the things yeah, I was talking with somebody um, just um, actually this morning about, and uh, uh, you know, one of the things that as parents we we, we are big, uh, we, we fail at this as well. It's when you're trying to get them to um, you're disciplining them, and then you tell them to go over to the other child and tell them I'm sorry. Mm. You know, you're starting to set a pattern. Of if they're truly not repentant and truly not sorrowful, but you tell them to go and tell somebody else I'm sorry, you start to set a pattern of this false repentance, mm-hmm. uh, and it sets them up for that further down in their life. Yeah. Um, and so, going, you know, the, you know, each child's different, and uh, um, but uh, to Nate's. Uh, point it's it's making sure that that uh, they uh, as far as they can understand um, 
you're pointing to, to them why and, and and the reasons, you know, the scriptural uh, reasons why we do things. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had to do it all over again, you know, I wouldn't force them to go tell somebody they're sorry right away. Mm-hmm. Because then that just sets them up. I'm sorry, I'm done. And I just right, on. yeah. Yeah, it's important to reinforce what are you being sorry for, and so you walk them through that process. I I encourage parents to 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 model that early on, like with with toddlers. Uh, Oliver's two years old, but um, you know even he was a year old, a year and a half, and beginning to work with him on saying, look, helping him see what repentance is is like. And I mean, yeah, a year, year and a half, but that he understands when he does things wrong, and then helping him go and 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 confront that, you know, sister, uh, friend, whoever, and say, I did this against you, or, you know, um, I'm sorry, I hurt you. And then saying, will you forgive me? You're walking them through that. Now, that's not saying I'm walking through what repentance is, you know, him understanding truly what he did, what the sin, sin was in that, but just modeling it for him, the pattern. But then as they get older, you're beginning to, put more into that into their tank of okay i understand this is what i did wrong and this is why it's wrong god says these things um but yeah yeah it's easy for us to begin to build almost pharisees of like okay i do xyz and i'm good to go and yeah and to your point you know the, you know, the tears don't mean repentance you know, sure the tears don't mean i'm sorry and uh yeah, why are you sorry yeah what what is it that is? What is it that you've done wrong? Who have you offended? Yeah, I'm really sorry because I got caught, or I'm in trouble, and now I'm going to have to do without this thing that I really wanted. Yeah. So yeah. Like for, for parents, um, keeping that goal in mind is important because we'll see our kid continually do the same thing. We told them the time and time and time and time again. Now we're on the fifth iteration of the same thing, and we think that graduated, more severe measures is going to correct this problem. And Perhaps that maybe we're wrong, are wrong-headed in the goal there. Mm. That you know, heavier-handed discipline is, is probably not the right direction. It's, they need more. We need to do the harder work of exposing the false repentance and the shallow repentance that's there, and mm. help them understand that. So I, I just think that that's, that calms us down, keeps us from being, you know, excessive in our anger when we're disciplined, and realizing that we have some soul work to do. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Laura. I have a question. Um, so when it comes to you saying, like, as a kid is, is growing up, you want to do physical discipline, but what if there's a kid or the first eight, nine years of their life, you were disciplining them in an unbiblical way, and then suddenly mm. you're trying to turn around and realize, like, you know, you you kind of messed up with this, like, and you're trying to implement the biblical disciplines, but it's not taking into the kid because you spent the whole beginning of their life just building this different mentality. And then, like, I guess what's your advice for, like, trying to get that turnaround? Yeah, it's a good question, and it, and it happens very often. <laughs> I mean, uh, it happens with our own children. Uh, yeah, I keep... I, everyone that is coming to this class or interested in taking the class, I tell them I wish we'd have been exposed to this stuff 20 years ago um, so that 
we could prepare for the children to come. So those that are in here that don't have children yet, what a blessing from the Lord. But going to them and helping them even understand the grace of the Lord and, and his mercy, that the the child's not too far gone, you know, that, that these things are not so ingrained to where they're un, um, unable to be undone. And But the Lord is gracious. He's merciful. He's able to... Um, to undo that in the heart of a child. And part of that is going to be our own representation of what uh, repentance looks like before them, to go back to the child and say, um, you know, mom and dad have done this wrong. Mom and dad have done this wrong, and we need to repent. And this is what God says repentance looks like. And so part of that is me even asking forgiveness to my child for saying, or and, and in saying, you know, please forgive dad for not correcting you in this way because God says this is how I'm to do it. And Daddy was unkind. Daddy was not loving. And Daddy was sinful in the way that he responded in these other times. And God will hold me accountable for that. But by God's grace, I know now how I can do this and how I can love you better. And this is how we're going to do this from now on. So you begin to set the pattern, help them see this is what we're going to do from here. And then you extend and you ask for that grace. You ask for that forgiveness from the child even in that moment. And then, not just that, because ultimately we're accountable to the Lord. You say, I want to pray and because I need to ask God to forgive me for these things. And maybe you've already done that in your own heart, but you're going to represent to them what this looks like, your, relationship, your vertical relationship with the Father. And because that's who it's priority you have to make that right. So with the child there, you pray, God, I've acted sinfully all these years. I've not done this biblically. I've not disciplined with love as you've told me to. I've not done these things. And yet you and your mercy and your kindness, you desire for me to change that. And you've given me instruction of how to do it now. Help me to do that. So you're praying that with the child there, present. And the Lord will bless it. Yeah, he'll... It's, it's going to take time to correct some of those things, and you're going to probably have to take some extra measures to, to show that kindness. You don't go and then go to the opposite extreme to where you're just uh, completely hands-off and you're not showing uh, any discipline whatsoever. That, that happens a lot. It's like I, they begin to back off and don't do anything because maybe they've been too heavy-handed or they've not been loving at all. But... Is that helpful? Does that does that make any sense or to you or yeah? What do you guys What do you guys think? Anybody else? I'm not the only one in here. I was just thinking, like, as they get older, because even this. I mean, my oldest is almost nine, and even all of this is like, okay, this is stuff I can still implement now that I have not been implementing. So it's like every Monday. I feel like I'm like, yes, all right. I do biblical parenting, and then by Friday, Saturday, I'm not. I'm back to unbiblical parenting, and then I'm back here on yeah. Sunday, Monday, biblical parenting again. You need to go to um, confession on the weekend? Is that what you're saying? It's like, well, I'm true. But yeah, it's like humility. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not yeah. Parenting. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sweet because it keeps us humble in the process. Yeah. Daddy are learning too. 
Good. Do you want to say something, Rick? Here. I don't want to say too much. Okay. I just thought your answer to the lady's question was really good. The yeah. idea of modeling of repentance. You know, okay. I'm requiring you to change because I'm going to be biblical parent. But I am there, so i got to change too. Mm. You've got instruction and you've got example. Yeah. Can I ask a test case? Real quick, what if you have a teenager in your home and if the situation between the teenager and the dad has gotten real tense so much that the child, that son is blame shifting everything, all of his problems on his parents. He thinks his parents have been too harsh and strict and rigid. And now dad recognizes some areas of his life where maybe he was unbiblical in his approach. Does he still does he still apologize, make himself vulnerable to the to the son? Knowing that the son is going to possibly exploit this as an opportunity to champion his case again, that I mean, you know what I'm saying? That, I mean, obviously there's there's some tension between the teenage son and the, yeah. the father. How does he navigate that? Knowing his son is probably not inclined to to be able to forgive him biblically, because he's in the wrong place too. But, um, he's still I'd say it goes back to our original principles: is that we are faithful to what God has called us to do. And part of that is is exactly what Clay was talking about. We're all in process together. And if I've sinned, if I've done wrong, I'm required to go and seek forgiveness. I'm required to repent and, and try and make right uh, what was wrong. And that could be an unbelieving teenager you know that that doesn't know that um, that is not submitting to the Lord. Um, that could be a scenario where maybe the the teenager does exploit, but has the parent been faithful to what he's been commanded to do, um, and then left the end result up to God? You know because that's really the situation there. It's um, because otherwise I'm going in with a false motivation of well I want to be easy and careful about this because I don't want it to get blow up and be something bigger than it should be and maybe that needs to expose your own sinfulness in your own heart and it maybe it needs to blow up because maybe you've been covering things up in your own heart before man and that all that's going to do is expose it but um, I would say you're always better to be honest and to go forth and trust the Lord in his mercy in that and and say I was wrong and one that could help the child see that dad is really repentant. Dad's willing to confess to me his wrong. And I could take the advantage of this. And maybe he's, maybe the Lord will graciously grant mercy even in that situation too. But yeah, that's my, yeah. that would be my counsel on it. And even if it's not at that time, because that, that was me. Yeah. Years <laughs> later, did, could I look back and see you know, the grace and the mercy that my father showed me to help me understand you know, how God was patient with me, you know, even through him, what he done. So, yeah. you know, it may be years later. 
Lori? Along those lines, I think a lot of what started with was the relationship you have with your child. You have that open communication with your child where you can obviously feel comfortable enough to repent and apologize to them and have those open lines of communication and just constantly talk to them. Like um, Mark has told us, and and how we correct our children, just there should be a lot of conversation for them um, and correcting them. And then obviously if you're committing sin against them and you're um, apologizing and just keeping those lines of communication open constantly to help as they get older. Mm. That's good. Okay. I kind of have a can of worms question, but it goes along. Oh, I have, yeah. I don't. Just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no. I, can, I can hold it if you. No, it's good. That's okay. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, along those same lines, we're talking specifically about a teenager, but I mean, I guess, how do you navigate um, when your children do confront you on your sin, whether they're children or younger or or teenagers? <laughs> yeah, right. Can of worms question. Um, <laughs> Because I've heard I've heard different things from different people that I, I know and, and saints, and um, some were like, "Oh, that would not happen in my house. Like that's a sign of disrespect. Like I'm the parent, you know, things like that." And then, mm-hmm. but like there was just a situation even recently where my oldest, who's eight, was kind of like, "Hmm, mom, I wonder." where the little one got that or something like that I said you know <laughs> stupid or something like that and um, kind of confronted me on it and it's you know it's good and it's appreciated but how you I guess navigate where it's like well I am still a parent <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah I don't know yeah. I don't want to answer too quickly I know I'm the guy in the front but yeah uh. <laughs> I mean honestly they do get it Yeah, worse caught than taught. Yeah. I know two of the greatest things that God, that God has used to sanctify me was getting married and then having kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the aspect of dying to yourself, and like you say, the, the, it, it amazes me what they see through. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they see it to the core, and if you're, you know, doing one thing here and one thing here, I mean, they 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 have no problem calling you out. And uh, yeah. uh, to me, I, I count it as a blessing because, I mean, it helps me to mirror myself, you know, and see who I really am. Jackson Jamie. showed me how selfish I am. My little was, <laughs> he revealed the selfish heart, and he does on a daily basis. Yeah. Because you know, it was going to diapers after having you know, broken up at 11 now. You know, moving back in the diapers in my late 40s wasn't exactly, you know, <laughs> on the plan in my mind, but it's, it's revealing for sure and humbling and scary at the same time. But mm. Without it, you don't really, it's like you said, a mirror. So. Yes. <laughs> but there is a, there's 
still yeah. called by Christ to honor the parent. And so right. it doesn't mean they can't ask questions and uh, make, learn, learn how to make appeals. And so you don't, you don't bark at them when you're offended, right? That's the hard part, uh, is to receive the correction yeah. um, in, in humility and learn and, and change from it. But I think we're doing them a disservice if we're not also training them how to make those appeals yeah. in a in a I don't want to press on any buttons there, but uh, I will say that in those situations, um, especially that specifically, they had to have heard or viewed that from another time. And so um, for for them to have said, yeah, mom, you know, wonder where she got that. Clearly there was an opportunity where she witnessed that from another person. So we have to check ourselves, check the spouse, not that you go and say, hey, you know, <laughs> child said this, to, child A said this to me. It was clearly taught by you. We need to readdress this and correct this. I mean, we could get, we could go that route, but I wouldn't encourage that right now. But uh, one, yeah, like Clay saying, you come with humility, and you come and say, you know what, mom was wrong with this, or yeah, maybe I, uh, the child did receive that kind of instruction or that example from mom or dad and that was wrong and that sinful behavior. So again, it's a humbling, sanctifying situation, but also you do want to come back around and say, sweetie, um, let's go back through that. I want you to say that again. Do you see anything wrong with what you said? Listen to that for a moment. And sometimes I'll do this and play you know, turn it around because sometimes you feel like they respect other adults more than they do you. So I say, would you would you say that to Pastor Abbott at school? Would you go do that in front of Pastor Abbott? Sorry, sorry, Jeff. I don't mean to, Yeah, yeah. A lot of times I'll say Mrs. Bowman, so it's not just for example here though. Um, but would you do that in that situation? Oh, no way. You know. Okay. What's the difference here? Uh, what does the scripture say? Honor your mother, honor your father. This is pleasing to the Lord. And it will be well with you if you do these things. And how, what does that look like? What does honor look like in that? So, so one, you're being humble, but you are shepherding that child in that moment. So it's a, it's a hard, hard, hard thing there. But uh, yes. Think of it in one way. They're at least learning. You're teaching them something, right? Like they're yeah. realizing something's wrong here, so they're calling you out. So you could take it as like a compliment, like a. It's something that you can at least take away as like, hey, some of my training is actually going somewhere. Yeah. 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 I think the frustration too is okay. I'll take it. All right, humility, but like (laughs) the speck in your in your you know your neighbor's eye and the log in yours. Like Mm -hmm. that's not this is you know you can't really call me out on that when that's something that you're you're also saying or doing or sure. I think end up yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have to realize the maturity, though, even a spiritual right. maturity of, of a child as opposed right. to an adult. And we, we should be held to a certain standard, you know, even more than, than a child. So we have to control ourselves, be self-controlled. And, you know, do we even know that 
the, the child is regenerate and are they just acting out of sinful will and well I'm going to call mom and dad out on this situation because they say that this is wrong and yet primo example right here so um, yeah we have to be careful what Again, it goes back to every home's different. Um, you know your your patterns, your your preferences. You know, remembering to distinguish between preference and what does God's word say. So, keeping those things in 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 mind as we consider all this. But it's good, good discussion tonight. Uh, good examples. Oh, Mary. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm just, and then we just 
go back and forth, back and forth for like forever, and it drives me nuts. So like, <laughs> how do you like put the guideline down and say, this is what I said, go do it, mm. with like a you know a patient. Yeah, I know. She, you guys. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she knows, you know, she knows the truth. She, she'll, and I do that thing where, you know, like you mentioned, you go, okay, please say that more respectfully. Go back out and say it in the right tone, please. Um, and if she doesn't do it, then that's when I pull out the consequence. She has a chance to redo it respectfully because mm. she's yeah, your child's going to be a, a great attorney or, or, uh, or a lawyer one day. You know, yeah, they can rebuttal yeah. very quickly and very well. And yeah, no, I, I mean that's that's a that's a every child scenario. And obviously, your situation, you know, un, being unable and a fostering, you know, adoption kind of connect, uh, scenario, you can only go but so far in that and so it does limit you um, obviously when when we're able to correct our child there is um, you're setting that example from a young age and you're saying this is the expectation going back to what Rick said I give you instruction this is when you do it immediately in uh, without hesitation or, or you do it without rebuttal or if there is a comeback it's there's no more after that and um, and you're trying to establish that early on and um, we could talk through some time a little bit more yeah, in in your your case because uh, that is that is a little bit harder. But uh, hopefully, you know, as as we begin to do this um, as parents um, who are able to follow through with that with that correction, um, it's going to be dependent upon the child. But if a child continues to to force back, what is it that they're representing in that moment? Well, they're seeing themselves as the one with the authority, you know, because they're saying, "Well, mom and dad really aren't the ones with the authority. I'm. I can push back just as much as anybody else can." And uh, you're wanting to help them see that God has put you in that place of authority. And um, I don't want to say it's hopeless for you because it's not. You know, the Lord is going to be gracious in in that scenario just as much as He is for us. It's just you're going to have to do it in a different way. And what does that look like? Um, I don't have the answer for it right now. But <laughs> yeah. Matt, I think as parents, we all want a formula. If we do mm-hmm. A plus B, right? yeah. C is the guaranteed result. And God has never promised that in Scripture. And yeah. An example would be Jesus Christ, who is the perfect example, the perfect mm. teacher, and yet his 12 disciples were masks. Mm. And so I think we do our best. Yep. And so I think we really need to remember that in all of this. It's not yep. dependent on me and a process I choose because God is the one that changes that child's heart on me. Amen. We're faithful. Gene, I was just going to reiterate oh, what you said and Mark kind of shared with us. you in authority over her and it's his rules that you're 
and you know, um, trying to share and always just appealing to God that you know structure. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you again. Good discussion. Good, uh, good questions. We can talk more, uh, but I know um, we need to go ahead and go get our children. But uh, we'll, I'll send out um, any additional notes um, this coming week with the pondering the principles, and then uh, NATO post the video, uh, or not video, the audio sometime this week. So appreciate it. Thank you guys again. Any questions, just you can email me. You can use that phone number and text it to me. It'll come directly to me, and I can ask all the elders and get their great wisdom and share it with you. (laughs) You guys have a good night.